0: Man, I'm so excited to be here. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac, and I, I just moved here about six weeks ago, and just joined the, the first Orlando young adult team uh, today. So I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Oh, y'all don't y'all don't. Here, we're, we're, okay. So we're, look, are we are we doing this? Are we not doing it? Y'all y'all are awesome. <laughs> hey, I have a question for us though. Uh, who here uh, likes to attend sporting events? Right. Most most of us in this room, right? Maybe uh, FC uh, FC or Orlando City or the Magic or maybe Daytona 500. And even, even if you don't like sports, right, you still enjoy, most people still enjoy going to a sporting event, right? Like it's fun. It's just fun getting some friends together and going to watch a sporting event. But what's something that happens at every sporting event you go to right after you complain how expensive parking is? But once, once you're actually there, what's something that we all do? We sing the national anthem together, right? Sing the national anthem. So my question is, what's the best national anthem you've ever heard? What's the best one? Maybe, (laughs) maybe, 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 maybe. Maybe it's a friend of yours that, that you knew that was singing there at the game, uh, that, that you knew, and then you went out to support them there at the game, and they did really well. Or maybe you went to, you went to a game, and it was like your favorite like, pop or country singer, right? It was a very enjoyable experience. Okay, my next question What's the worst uh, national anthem that you've ever heard? Right? What's the worst one? And if if nothing comes to mind, let me help you out cuz I think I think we have a pretty compelling candidate here. Take a look. Whoa, say can you see by the dawn's early light May The land of the the breeze! Basketball, I don't like you. You, I don't know if you guys like watch the game live, right? But just watching that being there, you're like, you like, what do what what just happened? I have I have no category for what just happened. What did I just hear? And you know what? I don't I don't blame Fergie. I, I really don't. I don't. This isn't like I hope we're not like oh Fergie shouldn't have done that, right? Like I hope we don't blame Fergie because you know. You know who's really at fault here? Her producer, right? <laughs> the people that listen to her rehearse and then let her continue in butchering the national anthem, right? Guys, Friends don't let friends butcher the national anthem. That should just be, oh, that should be an axiom here if it's not already, right? Friends don't let friends butcher the national anthem. So don't be don't be mad at Fergie, right? Like, be mad at her community. They, they let her do this. They let her do this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the question a little bit, though. So what do we do when our friends start to pull a Fergie? <laughs> right? What do we do when our friends start to pull a fergie? And what do I mean by that? What do I mean? Well, here are some examples. Like, what happens when, when you're with a friend and they're up to their eyeballs in debt, and you're at the mall and they just start pulling out more cards, just swiping on impulse buys, right? Like, what do you, what do you do? They're, they're being a little fergie. What do you, what do you do? Or, or your friend that, that's in that relationship and. You know how this is going to end because it happens over and over and over and over again. You know how this is going to end. But you don't want to, like, rock the boat. You don't want to, like, say anything. You have no idea how to approach them. But all you're thinking is, this is not going to end well, right? So what do you do? do? Or or what about this? Your friend is calling you every night at 3 o'clock a.m., because they're at the bar and they need a ride again, right? Again, every night. And you want to talk to them about it, but you don't really know how. And every time the subject comes up, you just start singing, Fergalicious definition makes them boys go loco. Right? That's just every time you even think about the situation, just Fergie, Fergie starts coming into your mind. So guys, what do we do when our friends Start to pull a Fergie. That's that's what we're going to talk about today. Fortunately for us, um, there was a letter written that actually answers this question. So we're in a series. We're in a series called Hey Jude. So the author of Jude, no surprise, is Jude, right? So Jude... In Jude, in our series, we're going to look at one verse today. We're only looking at one verse. And why Why are we only looking at one verse? Because if you don't have time to read all 25 verses of Jude and you just had to pick one, this is the verse that you would choose. Because this is the central thesis. This is the main point that Jude is trying to make. This is the, the TLDR, the too long, didn't read version of Jude, right? So if you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screens. If you have your app, let's look at Jude 3. Jude 3. And I'll read it. I'll read it for us. Beloved, Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. All right, because it's only one verse, I'm gonna read it again. Right? Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So the main idea, the big idea here is faith, right? Faith. So what? what is faith? Guys, faith is assurance, Faith is confidence. Faith is conviction. Faith is certainty in things that you can't see. So a lot of us us in this room, not all of us, but a lot of us, we grew up in church. And we kind of grew up hearing that, you know, the way that you kind of explained faith to a child is, hey, it's believing without seeing, right? We've heard that, those of us that grew up in church. Or if you didn't grow up in church, it's okay. All you had to do was watch the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen, because they had the same idea there too, Leaving without seeing, right? And maybe, maybe you heard the uh, the light bulb, the light bulb illustration. Did you guys hear that as kids? Some of you guys, were like, hey, what is faith? It's like faith is when I turn on this light switch that light's gonna come on, right? And the kid's like, oh, whoa, right? And you can't see the circuitry, but you know it's working, right? And that's that's kind of how you explain faith to a child. Faith is not wishful thinking or blind trust or a leap in the dark. So although those aren't, those aren't bad definitions of faith, and I think for children, it's, it's very helpful, but for our purposes today, I want us to kind of elevate our thinking of faith a little bit more. Can we do that? Can we elevate our thinking of faith a little bit more? I want us to think through faith the way that Jude is talking about faith. And he's not talking about just any faith. He's talking about the Christian faith. Jude in verse three is talking about the Christian faith. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's more helpful to think about faith in this way. We think about it like this. In two parts, in two parts, that faith Equals orthodoxy and orthopraxy. All right, it's like a math equation. Faith equals orthodoxy and orthopraxy. So what do I mean by that? Maybe those terms are super unfamiliar to you. That's that's okay. We're going to talk about them. So let's talk about orthodoxy. What is orthodoxy? Right. Orthodoxy is correct beliefs, right? Correct or straight. Like you go to an orthodontist to make your teeth straight. That's the root of the word ortho. Orthodoxy just your beliefs, right? So the orthodoxy, Christian, true Christian faith or Christian orthodoxy is the body of scripture that we know about Jesus, right? True Christian faith and the orthodoxy part of that is what we know about Jesus. So what do we know about Jesus? That Jesus is the creator, that Jesus is part of God in the Trinity. I mean, that God, he created us and he created us with value and dignity and worth, but we are sinners. We completely rebel against God. So what did God do? He loved us anyway, that even when we were sinners, he sent his son Jesus to take our place, to die for us. He came into the world to build his kingdom here, right? To build his kingdom here on this earth, only made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus. So now we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and we get to have new life in him. That's the good news. That's the gospel, guys. That is the Christian faith Orthodoxy. Those are the facts of what we believe. Those are the true facts. But here's the thing. It's not enough just to know those facts it's not cuz even even the demons even the demons know those facts demons have better doctrine than you do they know more they know more about scripture than you do right so it's not just enough to know correct doctrine you also have to have the second component orthopraxy right orthopraxy so what is what is orthopraxy well ortho again Correct and praxy, it's not that uh, it's kind of there in the word practice, right? So orthopraxy means correct practice, right? So this is all about what you do right? The Christian faith isn't just about knowing things. We also need to do the things, right? The Christian faith isn't just about knowing things. We also need to do the things. Your correct practice or behavior is also of vital importance to the Christian faith. You don't you don't get to do just what you're feeling in the moment, whatever feels good, right? That's not, the Christian faith is not we just do whatever we want, however we want to do it. No. The Christian faith is we have good orthopraxy, correct practice, knowing that what we're doing is bringing us life in Jesus, right? So the Christian faith is orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Here's the problem though. Here's the problem. Uh, Some of us, and maybe, and maybe maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm going to talk about your friend. Can I talk about your friend right next to you for a second? Cool. So a lot of our friends, they, they lean towards orthodoxy or orthopraxy, right? It's kind of one or the other. So, so what do I mean by that? People that lean more towards orthodoxy, so orthodoxy without orthopraxy, these are friends that love doctrine, right? They love theology. See, these are your friends that know a lot of Bible, right? These are the Father, Son, Holy Bible people. Yeah? Okay, some of you guys got that. So these are, these are your friends that grew up in church. They, they never miss a day of Sunday school. See, maybe they grew up going to a traditional Baptist church or a Bible church or maybe maybe Presbyterian. But here's the thing, too, about your very biblically literate friends. They tend to be a little argumentative, Right? A little argumentative. Right. So they, they maybe in life group that they, they cut off other people at Life Group to bring on a verse in Leviticus, right? That's your that's your orthodoxy, friends. They they probably read from the ESV, the elect standard version, right? Or or the NASB, and they, they love Romans. They love Romans 9, 10, or 11, particularly nine, right? So these these are the Bible nerds. These people love theological debates. But, but if we're honest, they, they, argue, they argue a little too much, right? Because they want to argue Calvinism and Arminianism, but really mostly Calvinism, right? That's, that's who they want to argue. They want to argue complementarian and egalitarianism. They want to argue charismatic versus cessationist, right? And some of you have no idea what any of that means, right? No idea. But your orthodoxy friends, ooh, they'll tell you. <laughs> they'll, they'll, tell you, they'll tell you what it means. They are all about it, right? So those are orthodoxy friends. Okay, orthopraxy, haven't forgotten about your friend. Uh, haven't forgotten about you. So orthopraxy, they know that love, love is a verb, right? It's, it's action, right? So these are our social justice warriors, right? They're all about the common good. They love works and service. So these are the, the fire ready aim people, I'll let that one land too, just for a second, right? Fire, ready, aim. So these are the people that, that tell you that you need a plan and then you'll say, ah, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out as I go, right? So, cause they are all about wanting to help people and giving people food and clothing and shelter, right? So these are the people that know all about the passages about serving the poor and the needy. The widows and the orphans, right, they're all about justice and helping the marginalized. If somebody were to come into this room right now asking for money, our orthopraxy friends would stand up and be the first one wanting to help them. Not really thinking through enabling or anything. They don't like, ah, I just want to help. I just want to help, right? Because that's orthopraxy, wanting to do the right thing. When Hurricane Irma hit, right, our orthopraxy friends were probably some of the first to respond when there was need. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. They don't really know the Bible, (laughs) right? They're all about doing. They're not really about knowing the Bible. Actually, I I take that back. They actually do know. They know two verses. They know two verses in the Bible. They know every, uh, every seed bears plant every good seed burst plant, and they know don't judge, and they use them together, right? <laughs> you, guys, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Judge not, right? So they, they don't really like talking or discussing doctrinal issues because they're like, hey man, doctrine divides, bro. Doctrine divides, right? And they're super chill. They're super chill. I don't know why. They're super chill, right? So they're not, they're not prepared to give a defense for why they believe what they believe. See, in the kindest way possible, I'm gonna try to be as kind as possible, they're dumb Christians, right? Meaning their, their head isn't in the game. They're, they're dumb Christians. They don't know a lot. They wanna help, they wanna serve, but they don't know a lot. But here's the thing about the Christian faith is we need both orthodoxy and orthopraxy we need both orthodoxy and orthopraxy we need correct doctrine and correct practice so you know you know who the best example of orthodoxy and orthopraxy is Yeah, no, no spoiler, it's Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of orthodoxy with orthopraxy. So whenever the Bible nerds, the Pharisees were there arguing with Jesus about scripture, hey, Jesus was ready to go. He was giving scripture back. And whenever there were people that were poor and needy, Jesus was on the front lines helping people. Jesus is the perfect example of orthodoxy and orthopraxy and us as followers. Of Jesus. We follow Jesus. We worship Jesus. We are new creations and we walk in our new life in Jesus. So here's the thing, too. You say what you think, but you act what you believe. You say what you think, but you act what you believe. See, orthodoxy only people, they say what they think all the time. They are so willing and ready to give their biblical opinion, right? Am I wrong? No. So, but orthopraxy only people, they don't, they really don't believe anything of substance other than good works, right? You say what you think, but you act what you believe. So we Act in our correct practice of orthopraxy and in accordance with the correct doctrine of orthodoxy, right? With our correct beliefs of orthodoxy, right? Orthopraxy and orthodoxy. Guys, here's the thing too, is that we, we are saved by faith, right? When you put orthodoxy and orthopraxy together, that's what our Christian faith is. And that, that's what brings us salvation, right? Because our enemy, Satan, he loves to deceive people and pervert the faith. Satan wants to deceive us about faith because it is by grace that we are saved through faith. We are saved by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We are victorious over sin and the enemy by faith. So if the enemy can destroy the faith, he has destroyed salvation. He has destroyed everything. So our faith, our faith is a big deal, which is why Jude, Jude completely changed directions and how he was going to write this letter, right? Because Jude, here's what Jude wanted to do. He wanted to be the Oprah of the, the apostles, right? What do I mean by that? He wanted, to say, you have common salvation, and you have common salvation, and everyone has common salvation, right? That's what Jude wanted to do. (laughs) So his original intent was to write about their common salvation, but there was a more pressing issue, faith, faith itself. So the Bible, the Bible gives us our complete body of knowledge of the Christian faith, orthodoxy, and orthopraxy. See, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering this. If the Christian faith is orthodoxy plus orthopraxy, what about what about the faith of our culture, right? What do a lot of our friends think, right? What do a lot of our friends think about faith? What is the faith of our culture? So my, my assumption is that most people in our culture, they, they like Jesus. They really do. Most people in culture, most of our friends, they like Jesus. And a few facts they especially like about Jesus is that he, he was a really good teacher, Right? Most of our friends they think of Jesus as a good teacher or or that Jesus was really nice or that he was really peaceful and loving or that that he served and fed the poor or or that he healed the sick. Right? A lot of our friends like that. That Jesus did a lot of good in his community. Right? So if you were to ask people, "Hey, so what do you what do you think about Jesus?" They would say, "Hey, Jesus, man, he did, he did a lot of good stuff." did a lot of good stuff. He was really, really helpful. There was a, so I just moved here uh, five, six weeks ago. And um, for a little while, a few weeks, I didn't have a couch. I have, had no place to sit, and some of you guys, know, some of you guys know this because I would come to life group, and my prayer request was, guys, let's just get on our knees and lift our hands. Your boy needs a couch. I just, I just need, I just need a couch. I need some place to sit. I, just, I have this TV. I have Google Chrome hooked up. I have no place to sit to watch it. I want to have people over to hang out. I need places for people to sit. So I was legitimately, I did that. I legitimately had asked my friends to, to pray for me for a couch. So God provided, guys. God is faithful. Not for free, but uh, <laughs> but but I did find I did find a a, a good deal on, on a pretty nice couch. It's like this uh, uh, f- uh, suede leather brown sectional that that worked out pretty well. So th- we picked it up. So Alec, shout out Alec, thank you. So Alec came with me. I had to come pick up this couch, and we went downtown, uh, the super bougie, nice loft apartment, right, so it was a really nice place, um, so we got the couch, and the guy there, the guy was, was super nice, right, he, and he was asking me about me, and I told him that I just moved here, and I needed a couch, and it worked out really well, and, and then he said, hey, so why did you move here? And I was like, oh, well, it's awesome. I'm getting to work with the young adults at First Orlando, and he said, oh, is that First Baptist Church Orlando? Is that the big church on I-4 and John Young? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, they do a lot of good in the community, right? My first thought was, that's awesome. Like, I'm so proud to be part of a church and work for a church where out, out, people that aren't part of our church family, they still think well of us. And whenever they hear First Baptist Church Orlando, they think, oh, those guys, yeah, they, they do a lot of good in the community. And I think that's what a lot of our friends also think about Jesus in general, is that Jesus, oh yeah, he did. he did a lot of good work in the community, right? But, but, is that the whole truth of Jesus? No, it is just doing good work in the community, the whole truth of Jesus. No, because it's when the message of Jesus goes against the faith of our friends, that tends to there tends to be disagreement, right? Because our friends want to reinterpret the message of Jesus through through their own faith, whatever it is. Because our friends, our friends like Jesus. They do. They like Jesus. They just they just don't want Jesus telling them what to do, or they don't want Jesus bringing any change or any correction in their life. Right, so they like they like Jesus. They just don't want Jesus messing anything up in their life, right? So like, they, they would say, hey, I, I wanna be moral. I wanna be a good person. Christianity is a moral religion. Some most people think about it. It's a moral religion, and I wanna be a good person. So yeah, yeah, Jesus is cool. Like, yeah, sure, but just don't, don't change things in my life. Like, no, I just wanna be a good person. So you know what they say? You know what culture says? They say, Christianity, you know what you need? You need to hire an advertising agency. That's what you need, right? You need you need a little better marketing. You need a little better PR because hey Christianity, we we like your product. We like the whole morality, be a good person thing. That's good. I'm going to teach it to my kids. That's good. I like that. But we need to we need to change the messaging a little bit, right? We need to soften up some of the language. We need to lighten it up a bit, you know? We need to we need to we need to make Christianity more inclusive, more accepting, and more tolerant, right? That's what a lot of our friends would say about Christianity. So so hey, hey Christianity, you know what? Just just alter the basic biblical message and more people will buy into the Bible. Right, so this is a this is a marketing issue, right? You need to have better marketing and better messaging. So, don't don't be so traditional. Like, don't be so traditional. Like, it's turning people away. Don't hashtag progress, right? Let's just keep progress. Let's just keep progressing. Let's keep moving forward here. Hey, uh, love is love, right? Love is love. Love wins. Acceptance, tolerance, Christianity. That's what you need, right? Acceptance and tolerance. And really, really, what it is, you know, what you need. Let's do a college recruitment video. That's what you need. And we'll get you and your white friend and your black friend and your Latino friend and your Asian friend, and we'll get you all in the quad and you'll toss the Frisbee. And then we'll bring in puppies and you'll start petting the puppies, right? And we'll, we'll shoot it. And that's what, that's what will make Christianity way more attractive. Let's just, just soften, soften the language a little bit, right? So <sighs> the same thing our culture is saying now is the same thing culture and society was saying back then, right? It's the same conversation with the same result. So Jude, Jude, Jude sets a good precedent for us. He really does. Because he doesn't, he doesn't accept that. He doesn't accept that. He doesn't accept the lie that we need to soften the language. Because Jude knows that compromising and accommodating is not the way to go. You don't you don't just change the game because you think the game will get better, right? So here's what I mean by that. Any soccer fans in the room? Like football, soccer fans. So there's, yeah, there's a few of us, or at least we know about the sport. It's the most popular sport in the world. I don't know if you ever heard of it. So so. Everybody, everyone around the world plays soccer or football, however you want to call it, and they play it the exact same way where the fit, the, uh, the field or the pitch, I combine those words, the field or the pitch, it's roughly about the same size, right? And you, you play, the goals are exactly the same size, right? They're eight yards wide by eight feet tall. Every professional soccer goal is the exact same size, right? And you play the same way with one ball right, with two teams, 11 players, right, so a, a team doesn't just get to decide to add a 12th person on the field because they want to be more inclusive, right, you don't just get to decide that, right, or this randomly third team shows up, and they're flying on magic carpets, and they have vibranium suits from Wakanda, they're shooting lasers, right, <laughs> Like, like you, you see that, and then you say, hey, I, I love you, but that's, 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 that's not the way that we play. That's not, that's not the game that we're playing, right? That's not the, how the game is played. So when we see our friends suiting up in a Panther suit, trying to play soccer, guys, friends don't let friends pull a Fergie, right? You're saying, hey, you're being a little Fergie right now, right? I love you, but you're being a little, little Fergie. So instead... Instead, Jew says this. He says, "Nope, we're not. We're not compromising. We're not compromising our message. The biblical message is the biblical message. We're not." It's, it's not changing. Um, or if you've seen Princess Bride, if you've seen Princess Bride, there's a, you know, there's a character there uh, who says, inconceivable, right? Just throughout through the entire film, inconceivable, right? And then Enigo Montoya, he said, his response is, I do not think it means what you think it means, right? And he says that in response to this dude randomly just shouting inconceivable because culture wants to slightly alter the biblical message to be more accepting and tolerant. They think their preference of the message is what's going to bring them life. That's what our friends think. That's what culture thinks. So as believers of the true Christian faith, guys, we love them. We love them. We love our friends. We love culture. So please, please don't mishear me. Like I love culture. I do. I love my friends, right? I'm not, I'm not anti-culture. I'm not just sitting over here in my ivory tower saying, look at those sinners. Like they're all going to hell. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that. That's not, that's not at all what I'm saying, right? I I see culture. I see culture. I see the preferences of my non-Christian friends, See, and, and I think that in the most loving way possible, I think, man, I don't think that means what you think it means, right? The, the way that you're acting, I don't think it's gonna get you the result that you want. There's, there's a pastor in Dallas, um, pastor in Dallas, and he says this. He says, if you like what you got, keep doing what you're doing. But if you keep doing what you're doing, you're not gonna like what you got. If you like what you got, keep doing what you're doing. But if you keep doing what you're doing, You're not going to like, not going to like what you got, right? So what people don't realize is they're not going to get the result they really want by altering the true biblical message. Because everybody, regardless of who you ask, everybody, everybody wants joy. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants hope. And that only comes through Jesus, right? Through the unaltered, unwavering, true Christian faith. So, so what do we do? What do we do when our friends want to pull a Fergie? Right? Culture is telling us, hey, we like your Jesus, but you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to change some stuff about what you're saying if you want me to buy in. Right? That's that's what culture, that's what our friends are telling us. So what do we do? The answer, Jude tells us, he says, contend for the faith. Guys, contend for the faith, right? So we keep going and we keep fighting and we keep holding strong and we stay firm and we are unwavering in our biblical message as we contend for the faith, right? As we contend for the faith faith we stand firm in true faith in love orthodoxy and orthopraxy correct beliefs and correct practice so jude jude takes the fight to the center of society to our culture because he wants to transform it right we're not trying to get rid of culture we love culture we love the people of culture we're trying to transform culture into true gospel community because only gospel community matters. That's the only place where life transformation happens, right? Gospel community is the only place where life transformation happens. We contend for the true Christian faith with the gospel, right? So the gospel, it's not only an alternative community, it's a better community, right? And available to anyone who follows Jesus and orthodoxy and orthopraxy, right? So a lot, of, a lot of people that I've talked to since I've been here, right? So again, I moved here a little while ago. And so I've, I've gotten to talk with a lot of you guys. And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the, the thing that you said that you like the most about Orlando is the people of First Orlando, Right? which makes total sense cuz have you hung out with you guys? You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Like I that's my favorite thing too about Orlando is just getting to hang out with you guys and getting to know you cuz you guys are awesome. Like you're so fun, right? And here's the thing that I like like the most is that there is true gospel community that happens here at First Orlando. That is by far, by far the best thing about this church, right? Because you guys are following Jesus and leading others to do the same. So if, if we know that true Christian faith is worth fighting for, that it's uncompromising, we're we're not letting our friends pull a Fergie, right? So as we do orthodoxy and orthopraxy given to us in scripture, because we know that it's going to bring life and hope and healing. So, how do we do that? Practically, how do we not let our friends pull a Fergie, right? What do we do? How do we do that practically? You get to orthodoxy in the head and orthopraxy in the hands and feet by going through the heart. I'll say it again. You get to orthodoxy in the head and orthopraxy. In the hands and feet by going through the heart, right? So how, how, how do we do that? How do we get to the heart of orthodoxy and orthopraxy with our friends when they're pulling a Fergie, right? Well, how do we do that? What do we do? This is how you do it. Relationships, one-on-one is how it's done, right? We say that all the time. If you hung out with us at all, one on one is how it's done. We do that through relationships. And I'm not I'm not talking about romantic relationships, right? I'm not talking about missionary dating, right? I'm not talking about you know flirt to convert, right? That's not that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not I'm not talking about, ooh, I'll let him practice orthopraxy. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not doing that, right? We're not we're not doing that. So here's here's what we do. Here's what we do. One-on-one is how it's done, right? Friendships, friendships, right? You, we have conversations and hear their story. One-on-one is how it's done. So with our friends, we have conversations and hear their story. Right, and this too. Invite them to hang out with you. Right? It's not. It's not hard. It's not complicated. Just invite them to hang out with you. And more specifically, invite them to hang out with you and your Christian friends and the friends here at Forest Orlando, because you're gonna you're gonna show them a better way to live. Right? So, because I don't know. Like, as I've hung out with you guys, it's been so much fun, and I've had such a good time. And then the next day, we're not feeling guilty or shameful about things that had happened because we're just having good fun. Right? So. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that to judge you. I'm saying that when you do live in Christian community, you can have fun in a way that doesn't produce guilt and shame. Right, the way that perhaps I'm hanging out in other communities would produce. Right. So invite them to hang out with you and your Christian friends. Here's this too. Get really good at asking the question why. Get really good at asking the question why right cuz you see your friends like you see them you see them in a bad relationship and you're just just seek to understand by asking them hey what's going on like like why are you like what's what's going on just let's let's talk through that ask why right or you see them spending money unwisely you seek to understand by asking why or you see them drinking their life away seek to understand by asking why so here, here's a note here's a side note your friends, they may have no idea why, right? They may have no idea. They just may be acting without any self-awareness. They have, no, they, have no, they have no idea like what their motives are. They're just doing what feels good. They're just acting in the moment, right? But that doesn't stop us from helping to understand their motives and as best as we can, help them to understand their own motives and help them to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Because again, You say what you think, but you act what you believe, right? So as we look at the actions of our friends, that shows us their true beliefs. And same thing in our own lives and for all of us. As we see actions in our lives, that shows us what we really believe. And here's, here's a big one right here. Here's a big one. Don't lead by telling them what to do. When you see a friend being a Fergie, pulling a Fergie, you don't lead by telling them what to do and pointing the finger at them. Like, oh, you should have done that. Don't do that. Like, that's not, that's not what you do. There needs to be trust built before loving correction, right? As you're helping your friend not to be a Fergie, there needs to be trust built before loving correction. So I was uh, involved in a young adult ministry um, back at my, on my previous church. And we had a gathering uh, really similar to this one on a Tuesday night and uh, there was a girl that came for the very first time, right? So I, I was just so pumped that, you know, we have guests that were, that, that we, we were having guests and we got to, to be hospitable and host them and so excited that she was there. And then afterwards just getting to talk with her a little bit and there was another, uh, one of our uh, other female leaders um, was also talking with her and um, so then found out that she was in a relationship and wasn't the healthiest relationship and she didn't know what to do about that. So uh, my, their, my friend, the other leader, like she had, she had pure intentions, but she was like, oh, well, you just need to break up with them. Like, I don't know what you're thinking. Break up with them. Why haven't you broken up with them? You need to break up with them. Are you going to break up with them? You need to break up with them. Why haven't you broken up? Anyway, just like going like, so then I'm thinking like, oh no, like, like, should she have like not been in this relationship? Probably, right? All of us in this room, probably, probably, but there's no, there's no trust built, right? In, In order to bring loving correction, first, seek to understand by asking questions. And then there needs to be trust built before there's loving correction, right? So the best way to do that is by asking questions. So here's this too. Are you trying to make a point or are you actually trying to make a difference? As you help your friends kind of notice some fergy tendencies in their life, are, are you just trying to make a point? Are you actually bringing, are you actually making a difference, right? Because we don't don't just put our friends down by making a point about their behavior. It's not the way we do it, right? We contend for the faith by lovingly making a difference in the life of one-on-one, right? So some of you, some of you are scared to death at the thought of conflict, right? At the thought of bringing loving correction, at the thought of contending for the faith, right? Because you, some of you in the room, you would have listened to that awful national anthem 20 times in a row before you said anything to Fergie right and then you and then it should be like 20 21st time you'd be like yeah sounds great right cuz you want you want no no part of conflict right and some of you, maybe the other extreme is that you would have grabbed the mic away from her mid-song, not let her finish, told her that she's <clears throat> terrible, she should never sing again. You didn't, you didn't even like black-eyed peas, right? You would start just going, <laughs> start the, pointing the finger, bringing accusations, bringing correction. But guys, compromising the biblical message is not going to help your friends with true Christian faith. We are unwavering in our orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Compromising the true Christian faith is not going to give people life and hope and peace, right? So contending for the faith, standing firm in love is what will bring your friends into gospel community and will radically transform their life. Contending for the faith, standing firm in love is what will bring your friends into gospel community and will radically transform their lives. So in order to truly contend for the faith, like this is just extra, like this is for free. Right? This is for free. So if you really wanna contend for the faith and help to be equipped, we have a really good option for you. On Sunday mornings, if you're a college student, we have master class at 10 o'clock in Faith Hall, third floor. And if you're a young professional, we have discipleship class at um, 8.30 on Sunday mornings at third floor at Faith Hall. So if you really wanna grow and you're contending for the faith, you have to know the true Christian faith and grow in that. So the goal is not to let our friends pull a fergie, right? So we do that by contending for the faith and orthodoxy and orthopraxy, because guys, our friends, our friends need us to contend for the faith for them. They need us to love them. They need us to serve them. They need us to lay our lives down for them, to lay aside our preferences and selflessness. because both because the faith handed down, Will radically transform society, right? Our friends, our friends need us to contend for the faith, right? This is not this is not an option. So I'll, I'll close with this. I'm going to close this, close with a story of uh, my friend Ashley. Her name's not Ashley, but we're going to call her Ashley, okay? And this is Ashley. So Ashley grew up. Uh, she grew up in a really <clears throat> Uh, legalistic, uh, charismatic church, right? Very legalistic, very charismatic. So and it's not that that's not that charismatic is bad, right? It's not that charismatic churches are bad, but that was just her experience that she didn't have a great experience. So there was a lot of orthopraxy, a lot of doing, but not a lot of orthodoxy, not a lot of knowing. right? So she turned 18 man, she, she just straight up rebelled, right? She was out of the house. Um, she was living with some guy that was 10, 15 years older than her, right? Alcoholic, drug addict on cocaine, sleeping around, you know, just hooking up with guys like left and right. Like that was, that was her story. Like she, would, she lied to her family. They just became very distrusting of her, right? So she just, she, um, yeah, she just was not in a good place in life and did that for a season. But man, eventually she just bottomed out. And she, and she just asked, like, there has to be more to life than this. So for those of you that uh, like the Enneagram, she was a type four, okay? She's type four, meaning she was all about emotion, all about experience, right? So she just wanted to experience all of the things. So she would intentionally do things that were not helpful just to get the experience so she could write a poem about it later, right? That was, that was her life. She was, not, she was not in a good spot. So eventually she bottomed out, and then um, we had our young adult gathering uh, there at my previous church, and so she realized that she remembered her, her Christian upbringing, and she thought, man, like, I'm wondering if maybe there's something a little more to the Christian faith that, that I missed out on. So she started coming and started hanging out with us. And I remember, I remember when she started hanging out with us, that she was still very adamant that the way that she was living. And she, I remember in a conversation that I had with her, um, she was she was saying, "Hey, I really, I'm just gonna be honest. I really don't believe in monogamy, right? I think open relationships." That's the that's, that's the way to go. Right? So so in my conversation with her I was like, "Cool, let, let let's talk through that." Right? Let, let's let's talk through that. Right? So and everyone around her was just loving her, serving her, continually inviting her into Christian community, right? So not not judging her, but also contending for the faith, unwavering, right? Standing firm in what the Christian faith is in orthodoxy and orthopraxy. So in she said this, she said this. She said, um I know that in order to be a Christian, God has to work on my heart, right? And I'm just waiting and showing up to see if God does that. So guess what God did? (laughs) Guess what God did? Dude, God saved her. God brought her out of her darkness, out of her rebellion, and saved her. And this happened, you know, pretty recently, like within the last year. And um, she, you know, she's not perfect. None of us are. uh, But man, she, she has the Christian faith and she is taking steps for that. So guys, imagine... Imagine if our community was like it. And I'm sure a lot of the stories are here in this room. I just don't know them because I haven't been here long enough yet. But as I hear them, I'll definitely use you as a sermon illustration. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, Uh, no, but like imagine, that's so cool. That's awesome. That's who God is, is that God uses us to bring people into radical gospel-centered community to transform lives. So my prayer for us is that we would contend for the faith, that we would hold fast. And as we hold fast to the faith and orthodoxy and orthopraxy, that's what's gonna bring true life and hope and peace to our friends. So let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you so much, God, for uh, for who you are, God. We thank you for your love, God. We thank you for the hope that you give us through your son, Jesus. We thank you, God, just for being good and gracious. So, God, my prayer for all of us in this room, God, is that we just, we have true faith, true Christian faith, God, and that we are bold and contend- in contending for the faith, God, not out of spiteful judgment, God, but out of love. Our, our friends need us to love them, God. So I pray that we can just have hearts of love, hearts of compassion, hearts of mercy, God, hearts of grace, hearts that our hearts break, God, the way that your heart breaks for the brokenness in this world. I pray that we can be a better gospel-centered community. We love you, Jesus. Thank you.